Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. my pals, I am off on my holidays. So I thought in place of a regular episode this Friday, I would give you a peek into the kind of thing we do over on the Patreon. On the Patreon, every two weeks, there's a new episode. Uh, We do a regular mailbag episode where I respond to your voice notes or take questions and comments. Um, I love that episode. Um, I played you a little snippet of that a few weeks ago. And this is this week's culture episode uh, where we talk at length about something big that's been released and obviously there was just no question that we had to talk about the Barbie movie and there was only one person I wanted to talk to about it because I know Jen Gannon first of all is just so well informed when it comes to culture obviously she writes about culture she works in culture and um, she is a huge fan of Greta Gerwig so I knew she would have interesting things to say about this film I was not wrong um, and this episode went live on the Patreon on Tuesday but today so that you had something to tide you over I thought I would share it with all the rest of you as well I hope you enjoy Jen Gannon uh, honestly I I tried really hard to think of someone who wasn't you to talk to about this because you've been on on the Patreon before <laughs> um, and we've talked about things before but literally you were the only person I could ever think of who I wanted to talk to about the Barbie movie Um, I know you've been looking forward to it and I know you'll have loads of brilliant thoughts about it Thank you. I'm honored. I honored that I was the first Barbie you thought of. <laughs> you, I mean, literally, and I couldn't. It just, I kept coming back to you. You were just the number one candidate. Um, you've seen it, obviously. Yes, I have. Okay, I have several questions to begin with. When did you go? What did you wear? Um, I went on the opening night on yes. the Friday night. The of course, you night. did. <laughs> I had to and I booked it ages and ages ago because I was like I I need to see this immediately when it comes out like I don't I know they had an eight o'clock in the morning showing but I was in work so I couldn't Mm -hmm. actually make that but I was like once there's a nice good prime time Friday night viewing I am there so I went to the lighthouse and I wore a pink dress that basically looked like and bridesmaids dress from 19 circa 1986 so perfect like a perfect barbie dress 
I picked up a white leather jacket with fringing on it just to have Kennergy as well, just to represent both sides. That sounds amazing. My dream is a good white leather jacket with fringe. Literally, I've been looking for it for years um, in fat size and I've yet to find it. At one stage, they had one on Nasty Gal. And I tried oh to God. order it repeatedly and every single time my order would go through and then they'd say, this item is unavailable. I felt like the universe was against me. It just didn't want you to have it. It was discriminated against you. Why? Yeah. My time will come. It'll come to me. I believe that it me will. and the white fringe leather jacket will be together eventually. It has um, to. It's a Nashville staple. <laughs> it's a Dolly staple. Yeah, it has exactly. to be yours. Um, okay, so there's loads to talk about. But before we get into like what you thought about the film... Can we talk a little bit, first of all, about Greta Gerwig? Because mm. I know you're a huge fan of hers and she is the woman behind this film. Um, so what would what do you think is important for people to know about Greta in the context of this film? I think in the context of Barbie itself is that you are getting a Greta Gerwig Barbie, mm. as in you're getting her version of it, which if you've seen any of her own directing work, as in Lady Bird. If you've seen Lady Bird, if you've seen Little Women, you know the universe that she works in. And it's all about inspiring women and making female stories, telling them in a way that relates to how happy or excited that we should be about girlhood and how mm. important girlhood is. Because I think there's a lot of directors out there who try and couch you know being a young girl yes there is hardship and you do see that in Lady Bird there is a lot of like she's rubbing up against her mom and there's you know a lot of that in Little Women about how you're supposed to make you know yourself known in the world in in patriarchal society but also I mean that there's very important things in Barbie as well I think that Mm -hmm. she brings over but also just how important our connections with other women are and I think you know both in Lady Bird and in Little Women she really brought that home about how you know women I think uh, a lot of men I, I nearly sound like Sir Ronan in that bit in Little Women women <laughs> I think people underestimate the fact that women have these very very strong friendships and they bolster each other and you learn mm. from each other and I think with something like Barbie with an, a really kind of this IP that's kind of complicated and it's very tricky for women a lot of women young girls when they grew up with Barbie to get their heads around what she meant to them I think bringing that across bringing that strong message across to say it's not about women competing with each other it's about women investing in each other and and having pride in being a woman Mm. um I think once you know that about it and you know that about Greta Gerwig you know you're in safe hands because she's not doing it in a cynical way it's Mm. not a cash grab way it's not anything else other than an affectionate look at women which I think is just so true to who she is like as a director yeah because there were like this project was a long time in the making wasn't it like at one stage Diablo Cody who of course Mm. is the writer behind Juno was at the helm of a a Barbie project and she I think herself said that she absolutely failed Amy Schumer at one stage was working on a Barbie movie but it never got off the ground right yeah, and I think with Amy Schumer, it's kind of like it, it depends what tone you want to have. Like there could have been several Barbie movies made before this one, but I'm kind of glad that this is the fir- this is the one that we got because mm-hmm. I think with Amy Schumer, it might have been very cynical. It might have been, you know, about 
it, it would looked at it would have looked at it in a very different way. And I think it might have been a lot darker yeah. than it actually is that it's ended up. And with Diablo Cody, I don't know. I would have probably liked to see what she had done. Yeah. Because I think something like maybe not even Juno, but something like Jennifer's body had a lot to say about the perception of the perfect ideal woman, like in with Megan Fox, but also like how that sends you crazy. Like, like those feelings of being looked at and admired and, and, you know, having that male gaze on you all for your, you know, whole entire time as, yeah. as a woman, how that affects your, you psychologically. So I think, you know, she would have had a lot of interesting things to say about it. And I'm kind of, you know, interested to see what she would have done. And I, it's, I don't know why she felt like she failed. I wonder what it was that she couldn't, she felt she couldn't bring to it. But I think, I think the right at the end of the day, the right person did it. I'm glad that, at the way that it's went, it's gone. But yeah. at the same time, I think there is room for more. If you can have, you know, how many different Batmans and incarnations of Batman, why can't you have several different Barbies? Yeah. I, I mean, or several different Wonder Woman, Wonder Women. Yeah. You know, it, it's not a, against the realms of possibility. But I do think because it has made such a huge splash and because it's been such a massive hit that I don't know if those other ones versions might ever see the light of day now. This is now the definitive Barbie story. Yeah, and I'm so glad. Like, I mean, look, I loved it. Did you? I adored it. And was not expecting to feel so emotional about it. No, me neither. When did you first cry? (laughs) I actually, (laughs) because I'm an absolute wimp. I cried at the at the very start when they were just going through there was it was ridiculous they were spooling through just outfits Jen that that's Barbies when I started worn. crying that's when I started crying and because, I just teared up yeah immediately me too I, was thinking, I had that or yeah. I wanted that or we never got that one and something about that connecting to that connecting to your child self yeah like your young girl self it yeah. doesn't happen you don't see that on the big screen a lot and I no. just immediately teared up I was the I was the exact same. I couldn't believe it because obviously there's the opening montage of the little girl smashing up their baby dolls, which obviously I loved. But we had seen that, so like that wasn't brand new. Um, Mm. But I mean, that doesn't mean I didn't love it. I absolutely fucking adored it. (laughs) Um, But when they were going through the like generations and the iterations of Barbie, there was a there were two Barbies on the screen kind of side by side who were very significant Barbies in my life. One of them, I think, was rock and roll Barbie, or certainly that's how mm. she's categorized in my brain. And the other one, I think, was peaches and cream peaches Barbie. Peaches and cream. Yeah. Yes. Um, For me, it's peaches and cream because that's the one we never got. We never, I don't know why we had like, because I have like, you know, I all girls in the family, like there was four of us, four girls. Yeah. And like we all had, you know, would have all our Barbie clothes together mm. um, and you'd pass them down or whatever. And we never had peaches and cream. She was such a stunner. And we always used to see the ads. <laughs> we had crystal Barbie, but we didn't have peaches and cream. And it's always the one that you didn't the have. One the one that got away. Yeah. <laughs> the minute I saw it, it was so visceral. I was like, oh. yeah. Well, see, it's funny because when I was thinking, uh, the only two Barbies that I actually specifically remember are Rock and Roll Barbie and Peaches and Cream Barbie because they are attached to um, very, like, I don't know, formative moments in my life. Like, I mean, obviously, it's no news to anyone. I didn't have, like, the ideal childhood. And I have a a very vivid memory of um, playing on the front step of my house in Dublin before we moved to America. Um, And 
there was a tape that came with Peaches and Cream Barbie. And on it, the song was, you come on like a dream, peaches and cream, lips like strawberry wine. You're Barbie, you're beautiful and you're mine. And I was listening to it and I was playing with Peaches and Cream Barbie and all was right with the world. And then Rock and Roll Barbie was given to me as a present by my aunt and uncle who lived in America at a time when my mom, who was an alcoholic, was in treatment for alcoholism. And for whatever reason, and obviously this is like a child's memory, I'm sure there are inaccuracies here, but I, the vibe that I have in my head is that she didn't want us to stay with family members because she was worried she wouldn't get us back, basically. So we stayed in like a kid's home um, for, you know, with us and other kids who were in difficult kind of familial situations. And I had this rock and roll Barbie. My aunt and uncle came to visit me there and they gave, gave me this rock and roll Barbie. And it was like my most treasured possession. And it just, and, and, and my aunt and uncle who gave me that Barbie are the, are the aunt and uncle who ended up adopting me and like becoming my parents. And I was not ready for that in the first five minutes of the fucking Barbie movie. <laughs> like, but that's what it does because because these dolls were such an intrinsic part of our lives. And whatever was happening for us then, I mean, it all came back. That's it. And I think like as girl, like for women, you don't like men, they don't have to put away, quote unquote, childish things mm. ever guys can play video games for the rest of their lives. Guys are into football forever. They wear, you know, jerseys from the age of six to 60. And women at a certain point, you're kind of told that was your past or you're made feel embarrassed about it or whatever. And just seeing that even for a moment brought back like that jolt of like joy and like yeah. happiness, that like unfettered kind of happiness that you had just at playing just playing yeah. like with your friends like yeah. and I don't think that happens a lot for for women we don't usually have those feelings about being mm. fun or, or or just having that kind of being allowed to kind of stretch your imagination or yeah. you know have those kind of fantasies it's kind of there's limits put on that for women I think at a certain time because just like the film the way I feel with Barbie in the film puberty comes and then it, it changes your whole world yeah. and and you just literally you look back on those dolls and you don't have it, it's just a weird thing to be confronted with those memories like yeah. that. I just thought that was straight away. I just was like, oh, my God, I'm going to start crying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, you have to think that that was a conscious decision on Greta Gerwig's part, like to bring us all back there. Um, and I certainly felt it really, really intensely. Um, and but then I started to laugh because. Yeah. This is a very funny film. Like, there's so much good stuff in there. Straight away, the jokes were on fire. Like, and there's so many little details. Like, every element of it seems to have been thought through really, like, kind of, I don't know, like, thoughtfully. <laughs> there's a better word than that. But, like, you know, it's all really considered. It's really thorough. And the thing about it is, I feel like when I we went, when we were, finished watching it we were leaving I was like I want to see that again because yeah. there's so many jokes I know or little kind of visual cues that I, I may have missed because there's just so much going on and it mm. is like hilarious like straight away there's so many lines and like that's what you do kind of expect from Greta Gerwig as well is to to bring that kind of knowing and it's very self-referential like that mm. kind of humor to this project which I, you're, I was relieved about because yeah. you don't want it to be like just kind of silly like you do want it to be fun but you don't want it it, it just has the exact right tone for its audience which 
is not kids. No, that's the no. thing. It's not for kids. It's for us, our age group and people that grew up on like Clueless, people that grew up on like Splash or yeah. Elf or those kind of films um, who would get that, who are at the stage in their lives where they can see the comedy yeah. in in that world yeah like, 100% so important because I got a message from uh, uh, someone on Instagram who was like oh should I bring my six-year-old and I was like honestly it's not that there's anything inappropriate it's just that mm. it's not for them like it is a film for adults isn't it really yeah I just think it would go over their heads totally which is fine it's fine yeah, maybe they'd think, enjoy the visual of it yeah because it's beautiful as a spectacle but I just think also two hours is a long time for a kid to be sitting yeah, in the cinema yeah. not really being entertained as such you know what yeah. I mean sorry Jen just one moment my son is here beside me hello yes I'm gonna be finished in a little while okay I just need to finish up you gonna go for a cycle Go on, get into it. Count yourself lucky that you're not a girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing that I saw today on TikTok, which I, I didn't notice because I was too old for Bratz dolls. Um, did you see this detail that, so obviously the premise of the film, anybody who's, if you're listening to this, you've seen the film. So I'm not going to, you know, we don't have to explain it too much. But Sasha, the young girl who Barbie initially thinks is like the person that she's looking for, her and her three friends all have the names of the original Bratz dolls. I didn't pick up on that at all. That's amazing. Isn't That's it? so clever. Yeah. Because I it makes it. such sense that they would be like, who the fuck are you, Barbie? Like, we've no yeah. interest in you. I had completely wow. missed that. Because it was all Barbie until it was Bratz. I was too old at that stage. But the Bratz did seem very, like, bold and adult compared they to Barbie. They seemed very sexy compared yeah. to Barbie. There was something yeah. really weirdly sexual about Bratz dolls. I don't know why. I, maybe it's just... That's what I thought. But like, I know Barbie had tits, like Barbie has boobs, but like. Just about like, no nips. Very, yeah, no <laughs> nips though. Nips, not for her. But like, there's something weirdly, it, it, those faces, those Bratz dolls faces are the Instagram faces for mm. me. Like of like, you know, Kardashian-y kind of faces that mm. they remind me of those like wide heads of Bratz dolls I don't know for some reason and they were way more they felt way more adults than Barbies I think yeah a lot more sophisticated or something it's weird yeah. I don't know I thought yeah. yeah like teenagers or something yeah yeah but I was I was too old for that but I, I thought that was an interesting detail that they added in it's a great um, great detail what did you think about the performances I know everybody's I'm, talking about Ryan Gosling but I thought Margot Robbie was incredible Margot Robbie has a really hard job to do because she is carrying the emotional weight of the film on her plastic shoulders, yeah. on Barbie's <laughs> yeah. plastic shoulders. And that is really tough. And I think, you know, what she does, she does really well. I think she is the perfect person for this role. And I, I think at the beginning, when I was just hearing about the film itself, like back in two years ago or nearly three years ago at this stage, I was like, hmm. I don't know. You know, I just felt maybe that's too on the nose. Like, mm. you know, when you're just, I wasn't as enthusiastic. And then just, she has that effervescent quality to her that's gorgeous and, and really light and fun. But then mm. at the more sentimental or the more emotional parts or the more, you know, existential parts, she is, she brings that to life mm. as well. And, and she does that in a very, like a, a nice, naive way. I think, with something like Splash, which I know Greta Gerwig was talking about, you know, 
trying to base Barbie on a little bit. When I rewatch Splash, and I used to love Splash. Oh like, my God, I me ele- too. <laughs> I nearly electrocuted myself several times. Like trying to put the <laughs> hairdryer into the bath when I was little, like thinking I was going to be a mermaid. I know. Um, but like when I rewatched it back during lockdown, Splash is really problematic. And I know every it? Stuff, it's Oh, a- I haven't seen it in so long. Why is it's it? A bit- rapey it's a bit like they all love the fact that she's mute they make these whole jokes about her not being able to answer back and all this stuff and and like they love how stupid she is and like it is a bit yeah I was a bit put off by it so I love the like Daryl Hannah in Splash is so gorgeously innocent in a Mm. way that I think Margot Robbie takes a bit of that but makes it more in tune with you know society right now or like you know where her head's at right now so she has an innocence to her but is not completely it's not like a male gaze version of innocence if you know what I mean it's not yeah bimbo centric it's more just a gorgeous kind of willingness to believe the best in people almost like a like a Glinda the Good Witch kind of yeah but like and I loved that better I thought she was just so versatile in it in it in a really difficult I think it's a really difficult role to kind of take on and it sounds so funny going Barbie's a really difficult role to take on but it in this film it is because it is it's complex it is so complicated like it is and I think obviously you know Ryan Gosling is amazing but I think what we should take from this is Greta Gerwig allows Ryan Gosling to be amazing because how many superhero films have we seen where the women characters, the female characters are sidelined, the male directors won't let the female characters or won't, you know, give them a a good enough storyline. And she knows how good a performer he is and how good a he's such an all rounder. He's such a good comic actor that she gives him that space to inhabit this character and make it his own and make it so brilliant and so funny and I think in itself that just shows the difference the marked difference in you know the directing style for blockbusters I think and he was so I mean he was so good I loved all the kind of physicality of it like I loved Margot Robbie sliding down the slide like bolt upright and then walking across the water I loved when she when she was having her existential crisis and she kind of like fell stiff just lies on the ground on the ground yeah like I loved all of that and I loved oh my god I loved Ryan Gosling's dancing was so good and so fun he's just like I think also with Margot Robbie there's a bit of Goldie Hawn in that as well there's a little bit of like what you've seen and like if you grew up watching like Overboard or stuff that's what she kind of reminded me of as well and that real kind of zingy California blonde kind of way better but like my god Ryan Gosling his face Mm. because the thing about it is he's not perfect looking and that's why I think it works even better because he has like this little kind of offbeat look to him that it, he just is so st- stupid and yeah. so stupidly brilliant in it. And I have never, and I don't want to, re- like, obviously people who are listening to this, we're not spoiling anything, but my God, I have never heard people laugh so much at the word sublime. Yeah. When he does, <laughs> when he says it, I was just, he's, abs- he's, and he can do everything because he can sing. The singing is amazing. The dancing is amazing. Yeah. And he just gets it. And he gets that he, for a time, is this, you know, accessory that is to be pitied yeah. and feel sorry for himself. And, you know, and it is just played to this pure comic effect. And I think that's why the right are so angry about it in America, because yeah. 
bends them up so well because it makes it, it just makes their whole ideas laughable, which yeah. is brilliant. So clever. Yeah. And I loved like, I mean, there were so many little details that were brilliant. Like, I mean, before we get really deeply into Ken, like weird Barbie, Kate McKinnon is so good. Like <laughs> the bit where Kate, where, where Margot Robbie Barbie is like, uh, why is she always in the splits? <laughs> it's like, yeah, yes, because so they much. were like all of those chopped up, drawn on Barbies were always in the splits. Like Down there's the back of the radiator. Yeah. That's where my <laughs> that Barbie was. And I did it to my one of my sister's Barbies. I, I turned them into a weird Barbie and I'm still never forgiven for that. Yeah. Never forgiven. It will still come up. And I, I feel bad about it, too, because I, I, I gave her tattoos. I cut all her hair off. I don't know what I was. I don't know what I wanted her to be, but I was very we were all very upset about it afterwards. So we all yes. had to experiment at times, we you did. know. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. But like, you know, the beauty of Ken going into the real world, discovering the patriarchy and being like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then somehow thinking that horses are very in control of the world. Like, I very much enjoyed that. Horses and Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. I just love it. He's like, I want it all to be like Century City. It's just too good. That montage where he just sees Sylvester Stallone, horses, cowboys. It's just so brilliant and it's so well done because that is the way you think about you know Joe Rogan style like masculinity is like based on absolutely nothing it's just hot air and I love that he when he goes back into Barbie land after like to spread the word of the patriarchy he is wearing this like big fur coat and it's like he looks like one of those you know January 6th rioters yeah the bandana and the fur coat he, he really has like takes that on board and I was saying to my friends in the cinema at the time he has that little bum bag on him that has Ken written on it and the typeface is exactly like Kanye uh Jesus is it so, yeah, oh my god I missed exactly that same. and I died laughing so yeah, I was like that's brilliant like he's supposed to be a caricature like it's supposed to be a joke but he's not far off a lot of the men's rights activists you actually see I mean, online not at all he's so I, I, that's why it's so funny it's yeah. just like but I love the way that like not even the patriarchy like what he thinks is supposed to make him happy won't make him happy no. because you know he realizes like he actually just doesn't know who he is like and yeah. like everything kind of 
all those patriarchal fantasies end up leaving him cold because they end up, you know, isolating him further and yeah. not even like the whatever it was called, the Mojo Dojo Casa House. <laughs> it's like that place of refuge. Like it, it ends up not even being that for him because yeah. he, he just doesn't know who he is. And I think that's why it's not anti-men. And I know there's been so much like criticism, uh, like from the right saying, oh, it's anti-men. Mm. Um I don't think it's anti-men. I think it, it, it's kind of saying, look, if we don't work together and if we don't find a solution together and if you don't try and get along as Barbies and Kens, we're going to destroy ourselves. Like, And well, I think yeah. when you see Ken being that unhappy with this, and it's not like, like the, yes, she's taking the piss out of all of this men's rights movements in that way because it's ridiculous. But also she's saying, you know, he just doesn't know. He's more to be pitied. It's more sadness like yeah. that's coming from these people that don't know who they are and can't express themselves. Like they're not, they're no Allens, put it no. that way. <laughs> not everyone Alan. can be Allen. <laughs> no, but this is the thing is that she's not taking, it's not taking the piss out of men. It's a taking the piss out of that movement. Mm. And what she's saying is, which has been said over and over and over again for decades now, is that the patriarchy damages everyone. Like, it's not actually about women winning or like men losing. It's about the fact that a patriarchal society is not good for anyone. Men, women, non-binary people, like nobody wins when we live in a patriarchy. Mm. And that's it. And I think, you know, I like the way also like not all men, Alan, is mm. is put into that mix because he's like, I can't deal with this. He's like, I don't, he's like the... He first of all, he's also the typical anonymous best friend that women usually get, you know, given Cast those us, roles. Yeah. yeah, he's one of those. But at the same time, he's also this anomaly or this other, the other in that kind of, you know, heavy patriarchal world where he's saying, actually, you know what, I don't want to be a part of this. I need to escape. And only by relating to the women characters, only by relating to the Barbies can he actually get on with life and yeah. like find a better life, which you know, shows the other side of masculinity as well. Yeah. So I think it kind of covers everything in yeah. that way. Like, I mean, which I just, because I don't, I just think that they they want to be so offended. Yeah. And they're always going on about how, oh my God, you snowflakes, you'll be offended by anything. And you're like, you're offended by a, the Barbie movie? <laughs> Are you I feeling know. okay? I saw Ben Shapiro did a, a 43 minute rant about it like I mean like what is wrong with you I I, I honestly breath. cannot understand it and that's I mean I just think like this I think Ken's song skewers it so well though with the whole thing of you know blonde fragility yeah and all of that stuff and then just you know I think what they hate the most is the fact that he is he doesn't have a purpose that Ken yeah. doesn't have a purpose and that he you know he's only there to be perceived as the object of Barbie's affections and she doesn't even want him which, which is I, I true to the so Barbie narrative by. like that's yeah. that's the reality listen we only had one Ken and we had like several Barbies we had like 10 Barbies I didn't want a Ken we killed him all the time he, Ken we, is every time we played with our Barbies it was Ken's funeral and <laughs> We would inherit the dream house from Ken. Uh, we all it. live there together. I love but that's it. the way it was. And that's yeah. how we all played with Barbies because you had a, you know, usually had a surplus of Barbies yeah. and a lack of Ken's. Because, 100%. Because I mean, Ken didn't have good clothes. It wasn't exciting. Exactly. He just, he just was not exciting. Although in this film, I love the way they have 
you know, brought in loads of like old Barbies that didn't sell or like yeah. were pulled off the market. Like I remember Magic Ken and I remember it was kind of people were saying, oh, he was the gay Ken. But to me, all Kens were gay. I yeah. just I'd never thought of them any or other way. Or asexual, yeah. Yeah, we had yeah. no genitals. And I love that part where when they come to the real world and they're going by the construction workers and they're like, we have no genitals. Yeah. But they're going by them, it's so good. But also that she used the word penis and vagina, which yeah. I really respected. One area, Jen, that um, I know some people were disappointed by was the fact that there was n- not really a lot of queerness. Like I know, obviously, Alan, there's a question mark over him, but I think lots of people were hoping for I was hoping for Barbie to be gay or queer yeah. or whatever and like even when you have someone like Shudi Gatwa in it as well who like in life is extremely flamboyant and mm. like I he is playing like a, a, a straight Ken yeah. when he has a partner like there is one point at the end where one of the Kens is like I miss my friend Barbie and you're like oh okay mm. they're they have a friendship and it seemed like an equal it wasn't like a romantic relationship so I was kind of like well where where where's that why didn't we see that and yeah when you have Kate McKinnon in it as well and there and yeah I just felt it wasn't explored a lot except for the the fact that they did kind of mention that Magic Ken was the ostensibly gay Ken and that's why they removed him and I think the problem is and it is a problem with the film as a whole is is a, I loved it, don't get me wrong, but I do think there was a lot of ideas that were going on all together and maybe is overstuffed with ideology rather than a plot. As yeah. in, there's not much plot, but there's a whole lot of ideology uh, to get your head around. Yeah. And I think she might have tried to inject too much of that rather than give people more of an actual A to B to C kind of plot, yeah. which she didn't do. So I do think, yeah, it does fall down in those kind of areas. And I didn't, I mean, I, maybe she just was of the opinion that on the whole, like Barbie is seen as camp anyway. So it didn't really matter to fall down one side or another because we're just accepting them as this camp iconography in the first place. It would have been nice. Yes, definitely. But I mean, I think, you know, what's great is that it wasn't, uh, you know, boy needs girl, girl needs boy, yeah. uh, you know, Barbie and Ken right off into the sunset together. Like Barbie ends up on her own because that's what she wants. And I thought that that was great to see and a great message. Like, you know, if yeah. we are looking for a message that, you know, you don't necessarily need another person to kind of augment your life. And I think that's like a very um, Greta thing it's like this you know acceptance of trying to find yourself like a lot of her movies are about you know women or men trying to find themselves and I think it's about selfhood and about you know who you are as an individual Mm. like that's really the message of Barbie is like she at, at the end of the day is trying to discover who she is and even like the repetitive use of the indigo girls which was absolutely brilliant I love like that song it's all about seeking and trying to find yourself and like yeah. I think that's a massive message of it and even like you know that's why Ken goes off the rails as I was saying because he just doesn't know who he is and mm. I think it is because they're 
you know, sold separately, but sometimes bought as a pair. It's like they're they're connected to each other for no reason. And you see yeah. that. And as you said, like it is a lot about how you don't need to be in a relationship to feel like a whole human being like or a whole Barbie. Mm. Um, and I think that's an amazing message. As you said, like there is a lot of ideology in there. And America Ferreira's character um, has a speech, which I actually want to read just so we can all hear it again, because it is quite powerful, um, I think. She says, you have to be thin, but not too thin. And you can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but also you have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's cross. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman, but also always be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane. But if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be part of the sisterhood but always stand out and always be grateful but never forget that the system is rigged so find a way to acknowledge that but also always be grateful you have to never get old never be rude never show off never be selfish never fall down never fail never show fear never get out of line it's too hard it's too contradictory and nobody gives you a medal or says thank you and it turns out in fact that not only are you doing everything wrong but also Everything is your fault. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, <laughs> it's and like so true. And it's, I mean, it's. I mean, uh, so many people just started cheering yeah, after yeah. that in the cinema. Which, like, I've only ever been in the cinema twice where there's been a spontaneous clapping at the end and it's both Greta Gerwig films it was when I went to see Little Women Mm. because that was the opening weekend and when I went to see Barbie and it was both like spontaneous cheering and clapping at the end which I loved and I think that's it there's something about like that speech is the elongated and more up-to-date and more probably intense version of the speech in Little Women, yeah, yeah, where she's just like, I'm tired and I'm lonely and, Mm. you know, and I love that and what what women are and who women are and who women have to be. And I think, you know, even in Lady Bird, there's that kind of connection as well about like, where do you go in life? Like as a young, as a young woman. And I think I, I took Barbie in one way as to be like this almost allegory about Barbie herself, you know, going from being a a young girl going from being this doll into Mm. puberty into womanhood and Mm. this kind of does that learning curve of you know life isn't always it's not when you get that and it's like a smash cut it sometimes it feels like it feels violent when you go from being this young girl into I know I was very young I was like just gone 10 when I got my period Mm. and I remember it being scared of the world all of a sudden because Mm. I remember like one of my first thoughts being, oh, my God, I could get pregnant if I got raped. Like I was 10. You shouldn't be thinking that, you know, like and your innocence and that kind of beautiful kind of coddled almost sense of the world that you had is totally diminished. And then you go into like, you know, all you have ahead is like hormones and drudgery and like then the everyday burden of being the woman that all that speech kind of brings up. And I think that's what she's, you know, trying to guard like get out of like what this is and yeah very much very much I think because I the end like at the end when 
that Billie Eilish song. Jesus Christ, mm. Billie Eilish just fucking does something kills, to me. Kills, like killer. when the Billie Eilish song plays and there's the montage of all the little girls, I yeah. lost it. No, like, I that hit yeah. me at like a very deep level that I was not prepared for. Like the sadness that I suddenly felt completely overwhelmed by, by the journey of every woman, every woman, that Ooh. we are these innocent, beautiful children at with the biggest hopes and dreams. And then those are just like beaten out of us for the most part by mm. bullshit, by a world that tells us we're not enough, by men, you know, often, unfortunately, sorry, men, uh, <laughs> there's like maybe one of you listening, but like <laughs> by life in general, like it is heartbreaking. Mm. And it's, it is. And there's a moment where, you know, stereotypical Barbie, where Margot Robbie Barbie, she starts crying and she said like before America Ferrera makes that speech, where she says, like, you know, I'm I'm not perfect. I don't feel beautiful. I don't feel enough. Like, mm. and they do this kind of funny thing where it pauses and like Helen Mirren's voiceover comes in and she said, Look, you probably shouldn't have cast Margot Robbie saying yeah. these things because <laughs> it's very hard for you to think that. Yeah. But it is such an amazing moment because you're like, God, just every woman, every woman goes through that. Every woman goes through that. Yeah feeling of never being enough because that's the way patriarchal society makes us feel and yeah. I think you know that moment that montage you're talking about some people are like look it's too earnest it's too jarring with the rest of the film with the tone mm. of the rest of the film or else they go with it and I just think I thought about it so much after the film was over I thought about it the next day it stayed with me and then when I found out like those the women in those images are all women that worked on the film oh They're no like, oh god yeah. jesus christ no <laughs> so, i can't take it that's how, like it's either them when they were little or it's them with their children or it's them with their families it's just even it, it, it makes it even more resonant and i think what killed me was because there is that whole part of the film where there's Ruth, who was the actual creator yeah. of Barbie, uh, who's played by Rhea Perlman. And she is basically God. She's the God of complex Barbie. part of yeah. it. Yeah. So she created Barbie and, you know, women are the traditional seat of creation. So it's kind of there's this line where she says, like, we mothers stand still so our daughters can look back to see how far they've come. I was done. Mm. I was absolutely slaughtered by that line. And I think like it's really about installing pride in women and, you know, in self-respect and love in women. Because I think when you look at America these days, and I think that's the way that like Greta Gerwig is looking at this film. It's like a lot of people hate women right now. Mm. And it's like scary to be a woman you know it's mm. scary to be a woman at the best time but like right now in America with you know the overturning of Roe v Wade with planned parenthood being shut down like everywhere um women aren't cherished mm. and I think this film is a real warm hug to say that you know what we're great we're good you know mm. love each other like and I think that's why the all of that part of it was so special to me because it, it it just moved it on from just being this, yeah. this film. It could have just been this fish out of water kind of elf mm. nonsense. And it would have been hilarious and I would have loved it. But to add that message in, it's so subversive for yeah. a blockbuster. 
no. that's why I'm so happy that loads of people are going to see it. Yeah, I agree. Like that montage killed me and I, it stayed with me and it's going to stay with me for so long. And it did mm. feel like I felt without using a trite expression, I felt seen. You know, mm. I felt I, I connected with it really deeply. And I think lots of women are having that experience. Um, And I I want to see the film again. I'm not saying it's perfect, like, you know, but it did it did a lot and it did it well. And I am so glad it exists. And I'm so glad Greta Gerwig is the person who made this film. And I'm glad that Margot Robbie was there. And I can't wait to see it again. Yeah, a hundred percent. And also, just to say, three amazing jokes. Uh, Godfather joke. There's yeah. a little Stephen Malkmus <laughs> pavement joke in it, uh, which I nearly died about. And then Matchbox Twenty. Like I know. I mean, it has everything because you think now we're talking about all the emotional side of it that it doesn't have all those zingers. And oh, then no. Will Ferrell as the head of Mattel is Unreal. absolutely brilliant. So funny. And he says at one point because I, you know, one of the rhetorics I hate when you know so-called feminist men are always like you know as a father of daughters yeah and at one point he says as the nephew of an aunt it's just (laughs) so perfect like all of those brilliant lines are still in it and it still brings you to this other place where you're actually ruminating on notions about femininity and girlhood and women's place in the world I think if a a blockbuster can do that it's something really special and different. I think so too. That's what I was just going to say. I think it's very special. It's very special. Mm. And I hope it begets many more special films as a result. Jen Gannon, thank you so much for giving me your time. I so appreciate it. I'm so glad I got to chat with this about this with you you as I said are the only person I wanted to do it so thank you so much thank you so much I think we covered it all hopefully because we've <laughs> gone so on too. for hours I know hours. <laughs> thanks Bye. Jen Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.